All right, time for Baldry's Beat. Keith Baldry, Legislative Bureau Chief for Global News. Good morning, Keith. Happy hump day. Happy hump day to you. Okay, let's talk about uh, the vaccine rollout here. Now, this is some big news for people, and we've had a lot of calls about this over the weeks. Yes. From people who have got underlying health conditions who are extremely vulnerable to the virus, wondering, when am I going to get the vaccine? So we're talking about people with cancer, people who have had an, an organ transplant, um, people with Down syndrome, uh, we've talked about on the show. Respiratory illnesses. Respiratory cystic fibrosis. So, you know, people with serious, serious underlying health conditions make them vulnerable. They're going to get the vaccine, right? So what's the latest They're going to get it early. And yeah. the reason we're getting a lot of calls on this is because there's a lot of people who fit in this category. 200,000 people have underlying health conditions that are so serious that they qualify for an early uh, vaccine. About 50,000 of them have already been vaccinated because many of them are elderly, and that's who we've been vaccinating. But it remains 150,000, and this is from 16 years and older, not 18, as we're in the in the age rollout. So people age 16 and older, they're going to get letters uh, starting this week and hopefully by, by the end of the weekend to be told how they can start uh, uh, getting their their appointments to get the vaccine starting on Monday. If they right. don't get a letter, if you think you're in this category, uh, or you fit one of these categories, and you don't get a letter by April 15th, then I think you're being asked to contact your health authority or your medical practitioner to see if you actually do qualify. That affects a lot of people. Like, we've had so many calls here on we the have. show. Like, we had a guy, guy calling yesterday who said, I had, I had my spleen removed. That is specifically on the list. That is right there on the list, a spleenectomy. Yeah, so, so 150,000 people is not a small group of people. This is a, And again, they're getting an early vaccine because they're most vulnerable to a worst outcome should they get the virus. So this is good news. Okay, let's talk about the potential for... This is just breaking in the last 24 hours or so. bad news. Yeah, there's but the potential for the Euro- European uh, Union to potentially restrict exports of vaccine. Let me play this here for you. This is the, the Spanish Foreign Affairs Minister here yesterday talking about the potential for vaccine export controls. Have a listen. Well, uh, in Europe, uh, the export restrictions we have um, prepared for were never meant to be against countries. They were meant to be to ensure that pharmaceutical companies would comply with their commitments with the contracts they have made with the European Commission. Okay, it's Arancha Gonzalez, Foreign Affairs Minister for Spain, saying, like, we're not trying to punish other countries by doing this. We're just trying to make sure that we get what we paid for. But could this affect us? Potentially it could. Now, I see the federal government today is trying to assure us that this is not going to affect us. We still have, we've signed contracts with Pfizer. We haven't signed contracts with the European Union. So, yeah. uh, nice. but I see there's a Reuters a news agency that just moved a story that India may start restricting AstraZeneca. That's where our AstraZeneca comes from. So we're always at the mercy of max, uh, vaccine manufacturers and also the countries in, w- in which they operate. And that's the downside, which is a considerable one, when you don't make your own vaccine. Okay, we continue to watch that one very closely. Surrey now on the list to get the vaccine, including teachers in Surrey, right? What's the latest Not just there? teachers. Everybody who works in a Surrey school is going to start being vaccinated today. 400 people a day for the first couple days. Jordan Tinney, the school superintendent, put in a letter out yesterday that expects to get up to 1,500 people a day. So teachers, support staff, educational assistants, um, people who work in offices, not people who work in the school district office itself. It has to, people who work in schools, about 9,000 people in Surrey. The reason Surrey is going first, as we talked about last week, Mike, 
is uh, Surrey's the the veritable hotspot of BC. There are more COVID cases on a daily basis in Surrey than anywhere else in the province. So the goal with AstraZeneca for frontline workers is not to make it universal, but to target it to uh, and prioritize areas where there's high transmission and large clusters and outbreaks. And that's why you're seeing Surrey because it's number one uh, on terms of cases is going first. But look for Tri Cities, Burnaby, what about the Valley, Langley. Uh, yeah. that's where there's the most, on um, per capita basis, there's most, um, most of the, uh, cases. Right. And Terry Mooring, the president of the teachers union on with Simi Sarah this morning, making that point saying like, yeah, we're relieved that, uh, teachers and support staff in Surrey are going first, but what about some of these other school districts well, where they're a hot zone too? Also Vancouver. Yeah. And if you add up all the little health reporting stations in, in Vancouver, I looked at the map, uh, from the CDC last week. As of the current update, Surrey had more than 900 cases in a one-week period. Vancouver had more than 600. Then there's a big drop-off down to Burnaby and the Tri-Cities that had a few more than 200. And this is this is w- week to week. So the numbers there are consistent. You look at uh, the places in the interior. Uh, there's not a lot of COVID-19. So you're not going to see yep. AstraZeneca doses. And we have to use... four. 41,000 doses before April 4th, because that's when they expire. We had used more than 7,000 as of yesterday. These doses are going to go into the arms of frontline workers, uh, particularly in Metro Vancouver. Okay, let me ask you about this skirmish uh, in the BC Green Party involving Andrew Weaver. And he was on the show here yesterday uh, talking about bike lanes. Uh, Really got a lot of people upset in the Green Party, in the cycling advocate community, slamming bike lanes, calling cyclist activists, cycling activists, uh, members of a cult. In his word yesterday. Now, I had Sonia first to know on, on the show today, she said, wow, this is unfortunate that we use this kind of inflammatory language. But what is going on here with the ex-Green leader speaking out like this? Well, Andrew Weaver has made it clear he views the Green Party that he once led as not the party uh, that he envisioned leading. He thinks they've become, in his words, way too left-wing, uh, way too activist-oriented. So, again, Andrew Weaver's never really, I've never thought him to be the classic a uh, guy who was coming f- from the grassroots of the Green Party. It was very much, I think he saw the Green Party as a vehicle rather than something he belonged to his oh, whole life. Okay, here he is yesterday on the show talking about the Stanley Park bike lane, Andrew Weaver. My father, who's 88, is not going to get on a bike. My mother-in-law just had a stroke. She's not going to get on a bike. I mean, it's it's not reasonable to to think everybody is uh, able to do, you know, uh, and, and to take away the opportunities for elderly, for, for those with disabilities or special abilities, to actually enjoy Stanley Park, or in our case, to, to get from A to B in Victoria. Okay, I think he's right. And, and he told me, look, I'm not coming at this from an ideological point of view like some people in the cycling community are in his yeah. in his opinion so he's saying like the the reason he calls the, the cycling activists a cult is because they refuse to see the other side and, well, and he says also, that he says a lot of these projects are being rammed through over the objections of for example people with disabilities i mean the vancouver park board's own advisory committee on people with disabilities recommended against this bike lane and they put it through anyway well andrew weaver is also speaking as a resident of oak bay and right now in the capital region we've got a whole bunch of streets that people travel and have used to travel, including one in my neighborhood, that are suddenly going to be turned into bike lane uh, routes. And it's going to get a lot harder to get around Victoria. So it's very controversial in Victoria. 
I've never met a bike line that is not controversial. Whether it's well, the Dunsmuir bike line, well, the Burrard Bridge, it's just um, it's it's controversial. But I'm not sure if it's not inevitable. Well, that's the thing I said to him was he's saying, well, we need consensus, right? Like if you have people who are opposed to this, that's a problem, and you're going to set back your own cause if you ram it through over objections. And I said, well. Can you show me one bike lane that has ever gone through without objections? <laughs> exactly. Like, you can't get 100% consensus on this stuff. I think the Stanley Park one seems to be a bit problematic, more than some of the arterial streets or the side streets, which I just think you have to start accommodating okay. different ways to, to get around. But Andrew Weaver's right. His parents are not going to get on a bike. Okay. Real quickly, the horrific shootings we've seen in the United States in the last few days, including the one in Colorado with 10 people shot dead mm -hmm. at a, a supermarket. I just want to get your take on this because here is uh, Kamala Harris, uh, the new vice president of the United States, talking about uh, on her, why they need a, an assault weapon ban in America. Here's what she said. It is time for Congress to act and stop with the false choices. This is not about getting rid of the Second Amendment. It's simply about saying we need reasonable gun safety laws. There is no reason why we have assault weapons on the streets of a civil society. They are weapons of war. They are designed to kill a lot of people quickly. Okay, such a hot-button issue in America, but I think it's got a, it's got a kind of a Canadian connection with, of course, the Trudeau government now going through with an assault weapon well, ban here in Canada. we have nowhere near the level of gun violence at the States has. We have nowhere near the level of gun culture that the States has. Um, great for Kamala Harris to say this, all good points, but the same things were said when Gabby Giffords, the congresswoman, was, was shot in Arizona. Uh, the same thing was said when Jim Brady, Reagan's press secretary, was shot in the And they've head. never been able to get rid of the AR-15 in America. No, and I, I don't I really, wish, I'm not sure they ever will. I wish they could, but so much in that, in that country is broken. Well, the other, but here's the other thing. Like when she says these are weapons of war designed to kill people as quickly as possible, well, you know, the gun advocates will say, well, that's actually not true. These are semi-automatic weapons just like, you know, a deer hunting rifle. It's not like it's a machine gun where you pull down the trigger and it sprays bullets. Well, yeah. I don't, I don't know, I, and I think it's a, uh, it's uh, again, it's every time there's a mass shooting down there, this argument is revived, yeah. but it doesn't seem to go anywhere. Okay, but it's politically, this is going to be an election issue in Canada. I don't know. I'm not sure it will be. I'm not sure. Well, a lot Trudeau, of wa Trudeau wants it to be. Well, he he would like it to be, but uh, I'm not sure you can push a lot of issues out there. And, and but you see, the thing it. is, I think this is a trap that, that that Trudeau has set for the conservatives on this, right? Because we've talked before about how the. The crucial battlegrounds in this country are the metropolitan areas in Canada, like Metro Toronto, Metro Vancouver, Montreal. This is where the, the elections won or lost. And there's a lot of support for gun control in, in these communities. I and think, I think that's what Trudeau is hoping I for. I think he's hoping for it, but I think the economy is going to trump everything. The economic comeback that people are looking for. All right, welcome back. Keith Baldry is my guest. Baldry's beat. Let's go right to your phone calls here. Scott in New West. Hey, Scott. Hi, Mike. Hi, Keith. Hi, Hi Scott. Uh, question for you. On the Clinically extremely vulnerable list. I'm in my late 50s, and I had a heart attack about two years ago. And I checked that list last week, and I didn't see people with those conditions being listed on the list. Just curious if you have any idea if we're going to be included on I that. Don't see, I don't see heart attack uh, No, here. I don't see that on the list. Unless you've got uh, another health condition associated with that, that uh, which is ongoing or recurring. But uh, uh, heart attack victims are not going to be on that list as far as yeah, I can I mean, tell. It's a very detailed list with a lot of different kind of, in some cases, rare disorders. So yeah. people have to take a look uh, closely at it. But, you know, like you said earlier, if you think maybe you should be on this list, you should definitely check it out. Like talk yeah. to your doctor. Starting, right? starting mid-April. Uh, yeah. If you think you're on the list and you haven't got a letter, you yeah. should check it out. Don't just, again, don't just assume you're not. Like maybe just check it out if you're not sure. Let's go to James and Burnaby. Hey, James. 
Hey, uh, sort of the same uh, note of question. Um, I am 21. I'm a delivery driver who semi-deals with the public. Um, it's usually the same people, but I go to a lot of different places in different cities. Um, I have asthma. I am very unsymptomatic now, but it used to be a problem earlier in my life. I used to do a whole bunch of the steroids and the stuff for it. Um, but I don't anymore. How was, does that work with me and my vaccine? So, I'm not sure if I get COVID, it could exacerbate yeah. it. So if you've been hospitalized, so it has to be severe asthma. I checked on this yesterday, actually. It's it, not would, just... it used to be, though, like that. Like, but maybe 10 years ago since that's happened, at that degree of, of, of well, issue. You may qualify. I've been told that if you've been hospitalized with with asthma on a, with a very serious case, you may qualify. But asthma itself is not necessarily an underlying health condition, but it has to be severe asthma. So who makes the call okay. on that? Like who decides if it's severe? Like well, the I person think, who answers the phone when you call the no, I think it's your it's your medical practitioner. Okay, it's, it's not going to be a um, an online thing or a a, yeah. a call center thing. Okay, Barb in West Van. Hi, Barb. Hello. Hi. Go ahead. Oh, um, good morning. Um, Keith, I'd, I'd like to congratulate you, Adrian Dix, and tell us I got through right away on the phone yesterday for my vaccine appointment in Great April. to hear. Great to hear. Okay, yeah. I don't know why, you're, why, why are you congratulating him? What has he got to do with it? I'm just kidding. No, I'm just, I'm kidding. I'm glad you got through. I'm going to tell his customer. Does that count? I'm, I'm glad you got through, Barb. Thank you. I'm but glad you got through, Barb. It's certainly, anecdotally, things are working way better uh, with, uh, with TELUS now. Um, I've heard some, some hiccups, though. I got a contact from a woman um, a couple days ago. You know, a number of people who answer the phones are not actually in BC. They're in New Brunswick at call centers. They're not familiar with the geography of British Columbia. And this has been happened before. We live on Vancouver Island. A lot of people think it's an island. How big can it be? Yeah. Uh, and I had this with another company trying to replace a, a cable modem, saying, well, you live on an island, so you live in Victoria. Go to Courtney and get your, your yeah, modem. Right. Like, come on. Uh, so this woman had the same thing. She lives in Comox, and she was told, okay, well, you got your appointment in Victoria. Well, well, that's about, three about hours two hour, away, okay. two and a half hours two away. Half so, hour, yeah. uh, But that's that's been an anomaly. Thankfully, those anecdotes are not occurring with the same degree they occurred on that Monday. Let's go to Blair on the line in Richmond. Hey, Blair. Hi, good morning, gentlemen. Um, this is a bit self-serving, so apologize. My my wife and I, we're 66 and 71. Uh, we live in the Fraser Health region. We have not left the Fraser Health region. My grandchildren in Merritt haven't seen them since August, if physically. Uh, mm. But we, you know, but we just, you know, we're playing by the rules best we can. Now, I got thinking the other day when, you know, just before spring break, Bonnie Henry said, "Well, if you go to your, if you go to your, if you've got recreational property cabin or whatever," she said. And, uh, you know, I thought, okay, well, we don't have a cabin, so we didn't go away or anything like that. But I thought, well, what would, why, why can't, if I can, if somebody can leave Fraser Health and go to their cabin in the Shushwap and stay, you know, basically to themselves, why couldn't I rent a hotel room in Tofino, my wife and I, and just stayed mm-hmm. in the hotel, hotel room, not, not visit anyone else. We would have to go to restaurants, of course. Like, do you think I'm stretching things a bit by doing okay. that? Okay. Keith, we got a minute here. Go ahead. I think people were reading too much into what Monty uh, Henry said there. The cap- I think it was an unfortunate bit of confusion that was added here to make a, a reference to a cabin because the same breath was stay local. Local is, 
I think define is pretty narrow. And so, again, to go from the Fraser Valley to, to Fino seems to be a, a bit of a stretch. Uh, again, but people are looking for reasons to do something. And right now, people should be looking for reasons not to do something. Our case numbers continue to be very high. Our hospitalizations are the highest they've been since February. Our active cases are the highest they've been since since early January. Uh, the variants of concern, the UK variant, is starting to explode in numbers. Uh, again, we don't want to get to the position that Ontario is in. Keith, thanks for coming in. Talk tomorrow.